0: Well, I haven't told a story about basketball in a while, so I just really felt like, I felt like obligated to get one in here. You guys would start getting upset at me, so here we go. Today we're at Message, we're going to talk about something, and I probably shouldn't, you know, give away what we're going to talk about at the beginning, but I'm going to, and we're going to come up in the famous, quite famous passage that come up with the famous phrase that we says... We must choose to serve God rather than men, okay? And this weekend, I played in this basketball tournament up in Omaha. It was my old high school I played in this tournament. And let me tell you, they were making us choose between God and men. They made these rules. and They were bad rules. They made a rule that if you fouled someone while they were shooting, for all you basketball fans out there, They would get like three points, basically, and then they would get the ball. If you fouled them when they weren't shooting, they would get like two points and the ball, which is just ridiculous. So guess what happens? The referee is afraid to death to call a foul because it's so punitive. So it's like a wrestling match out there. You know, it's just like foul like crazy. And so then as a good Christian person, you have to say, you know, I'm playing this guy. He's like 45. Do I just totally mug him and manhandle him? Or do I play basketball correctly? I kind of want to win, so I should probably manhandle him. But it's not really very nice So maybe I should, you know, play more normally. And I had to make this choice. I'm going to say nothing else other than we won the tournament. Well, the apostles had much more difficult choices than on whether they were going to get overly physical in a basketball tournament. We're going to look at those this morning. So let's start in chapter 5. Verse 12, we have a number of verses to go over, so I'm going to maybe move a little bit quicker than I normally would. It says in verse 12, Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Now, we've been here at Solomon's portico before. That is where the healing of the lame man had taken place. I really like the translation that the ESV chooses here. It says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done. You know, the word regularly doesn't appear in the Greek particularly, but it is in the imperfect. So the idea is that these things were doing kind of regularly over and over on an ongoing basis. And so the apostles are now doing these miracles. And of course, we are just coming off of Ananias and Sapphira. Many things that are very new and unique are taking place within this new community called Christianity. We go on to verse 13. It says, None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now, why do you think people were afraid to join them? And who were the people that were afraid to join them? Who are the rest? None of the rest dared to join them. But the people held them in high esteem, and were more believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So in a sense, things are going well, and really in in every sense, they're going well. But we kind of had this hard-to-deal-with phrase that people were afraid to join them. And so what does it mean? Does it mean to, like, there were some Christians that because of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira were afraid to join them in Solomon's portico, so they kept their distance? Does it mean something like, well, the rest of the Jews... They had heard of Ananias and Sapphira, so they were afraid to join them. The, the unbelieving Jews was it just everyone else in Jerusalem that would afraid to join them? Maybe because of Ananias and Sapphira, we don't know. But it seems here that I would probably argue, based on the context, the rest do, dare, uh, dared, uh, didn't dare to join them. Is probably talking about some of the Christians because the rest seems to be talking. You know, the rest of the Christians because that's what he's talking about before. So it seems like this thing of Annas and Sapphira has a great impact on people and the apostles are sort of starting to become, I mean this in only a positive way, they are starting to become rock stars, right? Everyone knows who they are. They are famous. And I'm not saying, I don't mean this in a negative way that the the apostles are doing anything bad. I'm just saying this, they are becoming a big, big deal. I mean, When you have a situation where you're serving God and the person comes in and they cheat you and you don't have to do anything and that person drops dead, everyone's going to know about that. Everyone's going to know who you are. So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them now i've never really been into bands or whatever but you know you see this you see the videos of the rock star guy walking by and you know not to knock too hard on teenage girls here but you know sometimes it's teenage girls losing my mind I mean, it's like that. I mean, not in the sense that they're like in love and they all think they're going to marry Peter like maybe junior high girls convince themselves. But in the sense that they thought that Peter might be able to heal them, it would have been. I mean, imagine, oh man, I mean, just their medical industry is going to, you know, whatever medical industry they had, which wasn't much of one, You know, whatever medical science they had isn't going to do anything. Here's this chance I could be healed. Peter has done the healing, taking part in the healing of the, the lame man. Someone dropped dead in his presence. This man is powerful. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So did the shadow thing work? It doesn't seem to say specifically, but based on saying that everyone was afflicted and had unclean spirits, so they were healed, it does seem like it worked. I mean, this had to be A wild time. And can you imagine, just like, there's someone in Wichita. If you go there and you you can get them to shadow across by you, you get healed. I mean, whoo, things are going. Now, a few things, or at least one thing I'd like to point out here is, it doesn't seem like there's like some magic formula that Peter does. So sometimes when people get really into healing or whatnot, they kind of say, well, you got to do this and this and this, and this is what brings God's healing upon you. Or this, you got to do this and this and this. and This is how you might deal with unclean spirits. It doesn't seem like there's some formula here, right? God is choosing to do this. God is choosing to work through Peter. It's not because Peter did some special things. He didn't wave his hands in a certain way or say certain words. It's because God has chosen to use him at this time in this specific period. And, of course, I'm kind of of the bent that, a lot of incredible things happened in a very compressed amount of time in the first century to help legitimize these whole, we're going to add new books to the Bible, we're going to switch from Israel to the church. Uh, you, you all knew this was coming. But the high priest rose up. I mean, you didn't even have to know the Bible for this. You didn't even have to know what high priests were. You just needed to know. That when someone becomes a rock star, what happens? Everybody else that used to be the rock star or wants to be the rock star gets jealous. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of Sadducees, and were filled with jealousy. They are no longer the big mans on campus. They don't want to share and they certainly don't want to be usurped. To this incredible amount so they are going to do something about it notice it's not that the people it's not like Peter was doing anything wrong that's not doesn't seem to be the, if that's the problem that's not what's really bothering him so maybe they're going to say Peter's doing something wrong but what really is getting them what really annoys them is they're jealous I don't want to tangent too long on this but I think it It can be tempting to do this within Christianity, too, in this way. Maybe there's a preacher that's doing really well and has a big church or something, or he's been successful. A lot of people listen to him. It can be really tempting, as the little preacher, to find something that you don't like that he did, which, let me tell you, if someone went and listened to, like, every sermon I ever preached and just tried to find something wrong, I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could. It can't be that hard. So it's really tempting as the little preacher to go find the big preacher, find something that they did wrong, and then hammer them. Really easy. And you say, is it because you care so much about the false doctrine maybe or something you disagree with that the big preacher is saying, or is it just more jealousy? And sometimes we have to make sure we get those right. I'm not saying that someone who doesn't have a big following isn't sometimes teaching things that are wrong, but we just need to make sure that It's because we care about the things that are right and wrong, and we're not just being jealous. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. So they were jealous, and they had the power to do something about it. When I was thinking about, well, what would we do? You know, we're not going to put anybody in jail. Most of us aren't going to write articles about preachers we're jealous of. You know, I'm maybe the only one that would even care about that. What do we do when we get jealous of people? Well, we might have options, but I, here's one really good options, option we could take. We just start talking bad about them. You know, I hate to tell you this. It's just not very hard to find something bad about someone. You know, I don't know if you're aware, but we're all sinful people. We all make mistakes. We all did things we shouldn't. We all do things we regret. So when you go on a crusade... To say bad things about someone, guess what? You're going to find someone. And so, so often when we get jealous of someone, we don't have the power to put them in prison, so we just start talking bad about them. Maybe it's publicly, but oftentimes it's just, I'm going to whisper bad things about all the people that I know that I think that will listen to me, and I'm just going to kind of get around them, and then suddenly and you know what's happening to you when you suddenly start talking to someone who like yesterday seemed to be like you okay and then suddenly they don't like you anymore and you can't really figure out why right someone someone else helped them out to let them know why they why they shouldn't like you anymore give you one way we deal with our jealousy but in this case the, the priests didn't have to just spread rumors they they had the power of prison and they used it We go to verse 19, but during the night, I mean, God is determined that this particularly founding of the church is not going to be deterred. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. The the angel comes, they're released from prison. They say, go keep preaching. And when they heard this, They entered the temple at daybreak, so the apostles, they get out, they go back to the temple right where they rested, and began to teach. Now, one thing we can think of is, they were brave, they were brave, but I assume that having an angel come get you out of jail helps bolster the bravery a little bit, right? I I would be a little bit more confident, I don't know about you. Now, when they came, now when the high priest came, and those who were with him, They called together the council and the Senate and the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. I mean, just imagine. So they don't know they're out of prison. They come to work the next day. They're like, okay, get those prisoners out here. We got to deal with them. It's time. Get the council together. Get the Senate together. But when the officers came, they didn't find them in prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. The problems for the religious leaders are getting bigger. The the lore behind the apostles is getting larger. They heal the layman. Ananias and Sapphira. More healings are happening. They put them in jail and they just seem to get out. And this getting out of jail seems like it's miraculous because if they just paid off the guards or did something like that, you can't even tell. So it seems, and we know it's miraculous, but it's even hard to spin it for them any other way. The rock stars are getting more and more popular. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what this would come to what are we going to do what are we going to do the answer is certainly not nothing and someone came and told them look the men he were put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people they got out of jail they didn't know what they were going to do they couldn't find them. and where are they back where they got them the first time still preaching still doing the thing that they were not supposed to be doing. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force. I mean, they went and brought them before them, but they could no longer even arrest them physically. The rock stars were so big, you couldn't even make them come, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name, which of course is the name of Jesus. Yet you hear you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And so they start with, We told you guys not to do this. But Peter and the apostles answered, This is our phrase that we're going to think about throughout the morning. We must obey God rather than men. You know, none of us have probably been rock stars, right? None of us have been world famous or nation famous or maybe a few of us have been city famous for a short time or something. But I don't think any of us have ever gotten too big. But you know what? Even when you get big, when you get to be the big fish in the small pond, you know, I had this really great blessing. I got to go to a really tiny, tiny, tiny high school. You want to be the, the big fish? Super small pond. You know what happens when you start feeling like you're the big fish? It just gets so tempting. Oh, It just gets so tempting to think I'm great. I'm great. And who are often the first people that you could drop? Well your family and your friends but oh but God. God gets pushed to those sidelines oh so quickly. Maybe, Maybe you prayed hard to be successful in your music or your Sports or whatever it is or whatever. And then you get there. And then what does it so start tempting to think? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We see so many falls from grace. We start to lose the fact that we must obey God rather than men. talk more about that later the god of our for the apostles keep talking they say the god of our fathers raised jesus whom you killed by hanging on a tree you guys killed him and he is was the one that god sent god exalted him at his right hand as a leader and savior to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins they preach the gospel to those who are trying to put them in jail verse 32 and we are witnesses to these things and so is the holy spirit whom has given whom god has given to those who obey him you know we have an opportunity where we have a platform when people listen to us which doesn't happen all the time you know most of the time people don't listen to me when you get an opportunity and you have a platform people are going to listen to you What are you going to do with that opportunity? Suddenly, they're rock stars. The whole city's watching them. What was the thing that they wanted to tell these people who were interviewing? them. They wanted to tell them the gospel. sometimes you see a sports person or a celebrity or whatnot, and they they get their 15 minutes of fame, and, and every once in a while, you know what they do? They'll say something like, thank Jesus Christ, or they'll try to slip the gospel in there. And I I always, I mean, everybody's only only like short-term famous, right? None of us, none of us are famous forever. When you get that slice, whatever your slice is, what are you going to do with it? When you finally get the ear of someone, when people are going to listen to you, what are you going to do with it? And they chose to give the gospel. And when they, mean, The Religious leaders heard this. They were enraged and wanted to kill them. We've got this problem. We need to solve it. We've got a lot of power. Option number one, kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to the men outside for a little while hey, you guys, you guys leave. We're going to talk. I've got an idea on how we can stop this. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. And he doesn't say this, but don't you think he has to be thinking, we killed Jesus, that didn't really work out so well. We tried the whole killing thing, And this thing seems to be getting worse. We need a different plan. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up. Thaddeus, i watched a whole bunch of videos on how to pronounce it. No one agrees, so I'm just going to make one up. Claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. So this other person, he had a group of sect. We don't know a lot about it. From what I understand, it seems like at some point he brought these 400 people, best we can tell, down to the Jordan River and claimed he was going to part the Jordan River. And he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Who killed him? It seems like Rome got involved and they sent a little cavalry unit and took care of that whole problem. And he ended up being beheaded. So remember this other problem we had? We didn't actually even have to do anything. Rome kind of took care of it. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up. We don't know too much about him, but it seems like what he did maybe was he kind of led a revolt against Rome. He was kind of anti-taxes. Some people see him more as a good guy. Some people see him more as a kind of a bad guy that just sort of took advantage of people. But he rose up in those days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. The days of the census when they were being counted to be taxed, he was revolting against that. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. You know this other problem we used to have? We didn't have to do anything. And that problem just went away. Verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God... You will not be able to stop it. You will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. Of course, they didn't think they were opposing God, but hey, you know, we could throw that in there. And so you say to yourself, boy, this is interesting. We have this big problem of popularity. You know how we could solve it? Ignore it. Ignore it. You know, so often something happens in our culture, and it's really famous, and it's really big, and it's so big, I can't remember of any of them, because you just give it enough time, you just stop caring about it. I, I listen to a podcast, and this is probably a bit of a waste of my time, about the rise of the Kardashians, you know? And just one day, I'm going to be talking to a kid, and I'm going to be like, there was this family, and they were called the Kardashians, and they were really famous. And the kid's going to go, Oh, what, what made them famous? Well, they were really famous. And that I mean, that's why they were famous. And they were, I mean, they were so famous that, you know, one of them, you know, started hawking wares. You know, she would appear in commercials. And then the younger sister, she started owning her own, own line of, you know, like cosmetics stuff. Like, well, why did people buy them? It's like, you don't understand, kid. They were famous, right? I mean, that's why they bought them. And then we're all not going to be able to remember. And of course, some of you who are older than me could probably say, do you remember? And I'll say, I, no, I don't, I don't remember. You know, sometimes I worry that really great tactic to get Christianity to go away is just leave us alone. Leave us alone. We'll just... Do nothing on our own. I think of think of Europe. It's like no hardly any churches left in Europe. Why? Somebody do something to the churches? I think they kind of left them alone. I mean, maybe it was secular philosophy you want to blame or something like that, but I mean, nobody directly Came to the churches and told them they couldn't do something. All I had to do was leave them alone and, you know, the other factors too. I'm oversimplifying education of their children and all that, of course, had major effects. But in this case, this, this guy is so respected. He said, I think if we just leave him alone, it's, it's going to be fine. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. <laughs> They kind of left them alone. They went ahead and gave a little beating just just to kind of throw that on there. Beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They rejoiced that they were beaten. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the christ they left him alone in this case it didn't go away you know some of us you know i am a pastor i i'm i can go to the church building every day when i come here on sundays i see church people when i come to church on wednesdays i see church people few of you go to christian school you you get up you go to christian school you you got a Christian teacher, and then you got Bible class or chapel or whatever, and you, you know some of you retired, you know, you talk to your spouse or your Christian friends, and there you go. You know, you, you you kind of kind of all being left alone. No one's no one's coming to the church telling me to not to do something. No one's showing up at sunrise or whatever Christian school and telling them not to do whatever. You can do it. Some of you that are going to retire, do whatever you want. And so our choice, when we come to say, we are going to serve God rather than men, often it's not the choice of, well, I'm going to get beat up or I'm going to get persecuted. It's, I'm either going to do nothing or I'm going to do something. You know, the apostles could have just not done anything anymore all would have been fine and you know we have that choice too every day that comes around we can just do nothing we can say we're Christians we can we can hang out at our Christian school or show up at our church or talk to our Christian spouse or Christian other retired friends or whatever and just do nothing Day after day, week after week. Sometimes the choice isn't saying I'm being persecuted and I have to make the right choice. Sometimes the real enemy is apathy. Sometimes the real enemy is apathy. It didn't work in this case, right? It didn't work. The apostles didn't fall for it. But I don't think the guy that suggested it was no fool. He knew. He knew that, people, we can fall into apathy Sometimes leaving us alone is the best way to keep us from doing anything. I just pray this morning that we as Christians, we would not fall into apathy. That we wouldn't let the fact that people leave us alone is all it took to get us to not do anything. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning. I just pray that as we sometimes fight against apathy. We, we fight against just, we have the opportunity to do good, and all, all we have to do is choose not to do it. I just pray, Lord, we would not fall into that trap, that we wouldn't just let ourselves slide into, into just doing nothing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.